Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Friday, September 29th, 2023 edition of On Iowa Politics. On the podcast this week, we discuss the second Republican presidential primary debate. Chuck Grassley has a hot take on a potential federal government shutdown. And some state boards are spared the review panel's acts. Hello, everyone. I'm Aaron Murphy, the Des Moines Bureau Chief for the Gazette and Cedar Rapids. With me this week are Gazette Deputy Bureau Chief Tom Barton. Hello, Tom. Hello, Aaron. Lee Des Moines Bureau Chief Caleb McCullough is here. Hello, Caleb. Good afternoon, Aaron. And Gazette columnist Todd Dorman is with us. Hello, Todd. Hello. After a full roster last week, we're down a few this week. We're just like the NFL teams in their third and fourth games. All of a sudden, we have a long injury report. But uh, I'm sure Sarah Jordan will be back with us soon, as soon as they get those hamstrings rested. All right, first up this week. Seven candidates participated in the second Republican presidential primary debate Wednesday night in California. The most significant absence, of course, once again being primary polling frontrunner and former President Donald Trump. The seven candidates who were there spoke about myriad issues, often at the same time. Fortunately, we have no such issue here on the On Iowa Politics podcast because I rule with an iron fist. All right, so I'll open up this. Well, Aaron, before you go... I thought about uh, trying to choreograph an, an intro where we all start talking on top of each other right away, uh, but I thought that took more rehearsal time than, than we would have, so so uh, I appreciate that one, Caleb. <laughs> Aaron, the more you talk, the dumber I feel. <laughs> well, it just hit me, Tom. Why do I feel like that would have been Jared's sign-on if he would have been here today? <laughs> Everyone in this room is now dumber from having heard it. (laughs) I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. That's the only way that moment could have been better. She would have finished it with the happy uh, Billy Madison line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, my God, that would have been amazing. All right, so let's all go through this, uh, but Todd, we'll uh, let you get us started. What did you take away from Wednesday night's debate? Well, um, I was trying to think there, there used to be a newspaper I'm not sure which one where they had a big clock in the lobby and it said over the clock, it said, you're late. It's later than you think. And I think everybody on that stage last night has started to realize that it's, it's later than you think. And there, mm. it was obvious that there by the attacks that were thrown and sort of the fight to get attention that they realized that time is running out to catch Donald Trump. I think Nikki Haley did a nice job. I've heard, I've seen good reviews of her performance today. I know Tim's yeah. campaign thinks he did a good job because I've gotten some several emails. <laughs> I mean, I think that's uh, Mike Pence got a got a Linmar School District mm-hmm. mention in, so that that made us all proud on the north side of Marion. Not, and uh, so yeah, I I think yeah, it's. I mean, you think oh, it's only October. That's you got till January, but with the kind of lead that Trump has, right. uh, number one, he's got a large lead in Iowa, so that has to be overcome. And even if one of these challenges were to score an upset in Iowa, I mean, we're, if you if you put all your eggs in that basket, like a, a Mike Huckabee or a Rick Santorum, does that really get you anywhere once you once you leave Iowa? Right. So it's you know it, it's going to be a national race. It's going to be a lot of primaries up front. So yeah, I. I just kind of I sensed a little desperation. Yeah. Caleb, how about you? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I uh, generally agree with Todd's sentiment here. I, I mean, I just thought it wasn't, um, it wasn't very substantive. Uh, there wasn't a lot of new uh, information or even memorable moments to call back to, except maybe um, 
the uh, the uh, Haley Ramaswamy um, exchange and Mike Pence's uh, discussions of his um, domestic life was also interesting. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I just I just think um, you know it didn't there wasn't really anything that would have moved the needle for any voters who are trying to consider a, a, a candidate um, who are maybe uh, on the fence about Trump or supporting Trump and you know. Could, and, and if if they if they could be swayed, it wouldn't have been from that debate. Um, yeah, I just thought it was not very interesting and and uh, not too much um, worth uh, talking about. Yeah, I and and if that is the case, Caleb, if 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 the majority of Republican primary voters saw it that way too, that's essentially de facto a win for Donald Trump, right? If 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 the needle's not moving anywhere else, then that that's a win for the guy who's sitting on top by a comfortable margin i would think yeah absolutely yeah definitely i think that trump and his campaign were were happy with the results of that debate for sure all right tom what else haven't we mentioned yet what did you see oh um i mean a lot of what's already been said i mean you know if um if you're a top gop donor i think that there's probably you know there was a lot of angst probably going on last night um with you know donors probably concerned wondering asking you know where does this race go from here um you know conventional wisdom is that uh you know the the contours of the gop primary you know didn't really change much um out of last night's debate and so the big question is you know can anybody have a breakout moment um and you know meanwhile trump all but ignores this the scene and shrugs off his indictments and continues to maintain his um large lead in the polls um you know it's unfortunate that the debate was marred by um moderators who um, you know, weren't able to maintain control as the Republicans, you know, descended into unintelligible crosstalk. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, that kind of marred things right out of the gate. I think it was, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes in and already I kind of just wanted to turn it off. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I hate to say that, but, but I mean, it, no, and, I've been there. Yep. Yeah. And to to Caleb's point, I mean, there really wasn't a lot of um, substance to come out of the the debate. You know, there were very few policy divisions um, that came across. Um, Perhaps that's because the questions this time seemed more about, you know, differences between Republicans and President Joe Biden rather than differences among the Republicans. Um, Although, you know, we did see sharper barbs and criticisms of former President Trump, I think this time around compared to um, the first debate um, in Milwaukee. Um, I think that the candidates finally realized that they can't tiptoe around um, the elephant in the room anymore. Um, Yeah. 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 Um, Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah, and that that kind of circles back to Todd's point about the uh, the ticking clock, and and um, if if they're going to make a dent in this um, advantage, then it, it's it's probably time. Uh, it's probably past time, um, actually. Um, but but maybe you saw a little bit more of that urgency. Although, and to your earlier point, Tom, and and I don't, you know, look, I've I've never won a, a campaign of of any kind. I'm I'm O for O so far. Uh, so what do I know? Um, but the the whole strategy of the the being aggressive like i i get i get wanting to be aggressive so you don't fade into the wall and nobody even knows you're there and and that happens sometimes so i get that but i mean at some point you mentioned the crosstalk tom i mean it's, it's that's not doing anybody any good the, no 
nobody, no, no voter comes out of those 10 minutes saying anybody impressed <laughs> them over that stretch. That that's maddening for everyone. I, I don't, I don't quite understand the, 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 the strategy behind that, that type of approach on a debate stage. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I guess the, the other thing that um, I would add, you know, you, you talked about um, Donald Trump um, again, wasn't there uh, again, didn't participate in the debate, you know, by and large, um, that decision, I don't think um, hurts him all that much. Um, however, uh, you know, there was an interesting moment from Florida Governor uh, Ron DeSantis during the debate um, talking about the issue of abortion and um, criticizing Trump uh, for his um, comments uh, uh, attacking or criticizing um, the six-week abortion ban that um, uh, passed in Florida and was signed into law by uh, Governor DeSantis, um, a, a ban that closely mirrors the one that um, uh, Iowa uh, State House Republicans passed and that um, Governor Reynolds signed into law um, back in 2018 and then again um, just this year in, in a special session and, and you know, going after Trump um, for saying that that was a, a terrible thing. Um, and, you know, I, I think that among um, social conservatives and, and again, those influential evangelical voters in Iowa, um, you know, um, that's going to hurt Trump in terms of his support with that um, influential group or pocket of um, uh, Republican caucus goers. Um, you know, I think it was smart for DeSantis to um, go after the former president over those remarks in you know, um, talk about how, you know, he's trying to draw kind of a more, um, you know, nuanced position when it comes to, to abortion, um, you know, granted, um, you know, the, the former president um, has, has touted and deserves credit for appointing conservative justices to the U.S. Supreme Court that eventually led to um, overturning Roe v. Wade. Um, but again, like I said, now it seems like he's trying to kind of pivot and, and draw a more nuanced position on abortion. And again, like I said, with Iowa's social conservatives and, and evangelical voters, um, you know, they're not really interested in, 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 in nuance. Um, you know, they, they, they really want a candidate who's going to stand um, firm on, um, you know, protecting life. And, and so I think that was a, a smart move on um Governor DeSantis' part. Yeah, and it was an interesting question to, uh, and maybe one of the few rare interesting policy moments where, because it is sort of one of those classic uh, primary versus general election questions and answers. And and uh, to your point, Tom, um, the way Governor DeSantis is approaching it is probably better for the primary. I, I, I don't think there's um, any or much doubt about that. Um, but the, even the question itself, if I remember right, was phrased as, are you concerned about that position, taking that position to the general election? And, and he swung it back to a primary election sort of answer. Uh, I mean, in the reality is that it, that's, it's not a popular position with a majority of, of Americans. And, and, and that obviously has a partisan breakdown to a certain degree. But when you're talking about those no party or swing voters, whatever you want to call them, um, they definitely lean more towards um, choice type positions than, um, than anti-abortion um, um, uh, positions. So, so it, it was, that was kind of an interesting moment. And, the, and that's going to be an interesting thing to follow once we're 
through this and it's in a it's a two person race um next year um obviously we have no doubt whatsoever that democrats will be banging uh that drum during the general election campaign all right any, anything else uh before we move on for the debate that anybody wanted to uh add on there I thought it was interesting. Um, another policy um, thing that was uh, not mentioned as much in the last debate was um, talks about school choice, uh, which is um, obviously a big thing for uh, Republicans here in Iowa. Um, Kim Reynolds passed one of the biggest school choice um, initiatives in the country last year or this year. Um, feels like last year. Uh, and so, you know, it, it seems like all the candidates um, pretty much got uh, in line on, on school choice. There wasn't a lot of disagreement there, but it was interesting that it was um, uh, part of the conversation, um, there was a national group this uh, that the week in the week ahead of the debate uh, ran an ad in Iowa, um, basically not directly urging candidates to support um, the school choice, uh, a, a national school choice legislation, but it was you know, talked about that legislation and and called back to Ronald Reagan, which is where they were debating in his library. So it was definitely targeted at that debate. So it was interesting to see them talk about it. Um, Ron DeSantis, uh, you know, talked about uh, he's I think the only candidate who has uh you know passed a major school choice legislation in his state so it was it was an interesting policy point yeah all right well there will be more i don't know how far off the next one is but there's there's at least one more debate right i'm not imagining november november there you go okay so we'll be geared up for that and and uh talking about that one when it comes around um one topic that was broached during the debate pardon me um, was the looming federal government shutdown. And while the candidates shared their thoughts on who's to blame for that potential shutdown, the answer will not surprise you. Uh, Iowa Republican U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley offered his thoughts on a potential shutdown earlier this week. Not in the debate. He, he's not running for president. Uh, Senator Grassley had, uh, apparently isn't holding back lately. A week after saying calls to defund the FBI are stupid, Grassley this week said a government shutdown would be idiotic. Um, Caleb, you wrote this. What's got uh, Senator Grassley um, all all riled up here lately? And what else did he say about the looming shutdown? Yeah, so he he made clear that he is not a fan of the far right Republicans that are holding up the budget process over their policy goals of securing more border security and cutting Ukraine aid. Um, you know, he said uh, specifically that he he wants more border security too, but um, he thinks that you know that we shouldn't shut the government down um, over that. He said, he did say he used the word idiotic. He said those efforts were idiotic and that they don't often end in success. He had basically said, you know, if you um, want to accomplish um, X, Y, Z and you hold the, and you shut the government down over it in a few days, you get enough heat that, that you open the government back up and you didn't accomplish anything. Um, so, you know, earlier this week, he voted for a bipartisan um, short-term funding bill that, uh, that just kind of kept things going. Um, as as is and he essentially said that there's no issues that are important enough to shut the government down over because it costs money to shut it down and it costs money to open it back up um he also said he'd like to make short-term funding be made automatic um this is legislation that a senator from oklahoma whose name is escaping me has sponsored that essentially would make it so if uh congress doesn't come up with the funding plan um on time the current funding levels would just be continued automatically and so we wouldn't have this uh every year congress racing up to a cliff and then having to figure out how to, yeah. how to keep the government open so um that's something he wants to see i don't know uh if that's super realistic uh anytime soon but that, that's what he said about it yeah that was interesting and he talked about that when we had him on iowa press last week 
also and and um i thought that was an interesting idea i can see i I wonder if the argument that's made um and i i could certainly appreciate it is if you do it that way you take away that um that something that threatens them to do something because then if then they can otherwise just say well let's just sit here and and do an unending string of those and and then nothing um more long term gets done i I guess that would be the risk uh, i think to that i think both parties use it as a bargaining chip right and it's the same thing with with the debt limit um you know they could just authorize the debt when they authorize the spending every year but instead they you know have yeah. this big um, hoopla to, and, and both parties want it so that they can secure their priorities. So, and and Nikki Haley's proposal during the debate, well, that was a a budget thing, right? If if the Congress doesn't pass a budget, they don't get paid. That was her. Was that her? Or was that the previous debate she did that? I didn't catch that if she said that yesterday, but she she. Okay. I may be conflating the two debates at this point. Um, it, that often happens when you're at this point in the campaign cycle. Everything just kind of mushes together in, in these soft brains. All right. Um. Finally, this week, we're ripping through our topics, um, the state panel that was created to review Iowa's dozens of boards and commissions and then make recommendations to state lawmakers and the governor, including recommendations of which boards should be eliminated, which should be consolidated and which should be left alone. That panel completed its work. It met for the last time and then submitted its recommendations, which included a few changes from where the panel started this process. A few boards were spared the cutting block. Um, Caleb, uh, stay with you. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so there was a turnaround of, you know, recommending a few boards being uh, eliminated. Um, the final number was uh, to recommend cutting or consolidating uh, 111 boards total. So the number would go from 246 to 145 of Iowa State Boards and Commissions. Um, some of them that were uh, initially recommended for removal but now are not include the Commission on uh, Volunteer Services, which and the Midwest Higher Education Compact, both of which members said um, during a public hearing last month, this month, that uh, mm-hmm. those uh, removing those boards would risk federal funding. Um, then the Board of Athletic Training, uh, which had originally been slated for being cut, ended up being merged with other therapeutic practices like uh, massage therapy. Um, board athletic trainers said at that public hearing that they're uh, removing that board and removing licensing for athletic trainers would essentially um, dis- disincentivize qualified athletic trainers from working in the state and allow people who aren't qualified to um, work as athletic trainers at the college level and, and things like that. Um, another thing that changed was the Commission on Deaf Services, which um, along with a number of other population-specific boards, like uh, boards dealing with African-Americans, Asian Pacific Islanders, that had originally been um, recommended to be rolled into the Human Rights Board, but it is now um, remaining mostly as a standalone board. They're they're, uh, merging it with a dual party relay council, I think it's called. It deals with hearing aids. Um, And there are a few more boards that were uh, switched uh, back. Then there were some general recommendations that were made in the initial report that uh, were kind of just fleshed out a little more here. Um, they they proposed paying members of Iowa's Board of Regents, Board of Education, and Council on Health and Human Services ten thousand dollars a year. Um, this that would add to three other boards that are paid positions. All the other boards in the state are um, volunteer positions. Uh, the board essentially said, you know, those are high um, high engagement boards. They do a lot of work and they um, cover a large you know swath of of state government. So it 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 uh, is worth uh, compensating those those board members. 
Um, they also made some recommendations to eliminate meeting frequency and allow uh, boards more freedom to meet over Zoom. Um, they said that would include public or increase public participation. So uh, yeah, th this will. Uh, and then Governor Kim Reynolds said uh, the next day that she plans to submit legislation to the legislature in this coming um, session that would you know enact some of these policies. So. Yeah, and that's the important thing to note there right at the end, uh, what you said there, Caleb, that this is all just recommendations. The governor will now put together a bill, um, presumably built largely, if not entirely, on those recommendations, but it doesn't necessarily have to also either, right? It could it could deviate in, in, in some ways or the others. We'll, we'll see eventually what that does uh, look like, and, and then presumably that would, that would pass the Iowa legislature, given the rimbo. Republican majorities uh, there and, and the bill that they passed this last session on, on government reorganization, which actually created this panel. Um, Caleb or, or Todd, well, anybody or Tom or, or Todd, um, were any of you surprised? And, and I, don't, I, I, I don't say this as an editorial comment. I just say it as a reality um, that it feels rare when a panel like this is put together and holds public meetings and and uh, uh, public opinions are expressed and the panel actually takes those <laughs> concerns into consideration i know i know and um if before anybody gets upset with me that, that's not a partisan comment and i'm not trying to cut anyone down it's just just reality we've, we've covered these things we've seen dozens of these kinds of things and and usually you feel it it, it the the books are cooked from the start and, and the process is just that it's just process until they can get what they propose from the start um, at, across the finish line. Um, so, so it was, it, it was interesting to me that, that um, the, the, some of the panels that raised the most concerns that, that you delineated there, Caleb, uh, they were heard in this process and, and, and they were, they were spared. I, I thought that was fascinating. That um, I guess a little bit surprising as well, especially um, given what we saw happen during the legislative process related to um, kind of the the bigger parts of the government reorganization plan. Right, right. right. Um, you had you had a lot of comments um, at um, public hearings and and in subcommittee meetings of you know people um, you know making pleas not to. Um, you know, um, consolidate or get rid of this particular uh, state agency or, or um, what have you. And, and it, it seemed like, um, you know, a lot of that kind of, um, I don't want to say fell on, on, on deaf ears, but um, I mean, you definitely saw um, legislators and, and state officials just kind of chug along and-, and, and Very few of those changes were made. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That was interesting. So hail, hail the, the, the bureaucratic process. <laughs> uh, so like I said, it'll, it'll, it'll be uh, interesting now to see that, that actual bill and, and that'll be a, a big one um, in next year's session. Um, that I think does it for this edition of on Iowa politics. Um, it was a quick one. Uh uh, we'll be back with more next week. The camp candidates are back this weekend uh, for their post-debate swings. So um, plenty going on and we'll have plenty to talk about again next week. And we'll 
maybe have our full roster back as well. Uh, if you enjoyed this week's show, tell your friends, subscribe to us wherever you find your podcasts. And now that you've listened to the On Iowa Politics podcast, make sure you're also subscribed to the On Iowa Politics newsletter, where every morning in your inbox you'll receive all the latest politics and government coverage from our team. You can subscribe to that free newsletter at the Gazette's website, thegazette.com. And lastly, don't forget that the work of everyone you heard here today can be found on the pages and websites of the Quad City Times, Muscatine Journal, Cedar Rapids Gazette, Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier, Mesa City Globe Gazette, Council Bluffs Daily Nonpareil, and the Sioux City Journal. Craig Erickson will play us out this week. If you know an Iowa band or musician who should be featured on the podcast, please send us a sound file. For Tom Barton, Caleb McCullough, Todd Dorman, and our producer Stephen Colbert, I'm Aaron Murphy. Thanks for listening.
Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.